Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker podcast. This is the podcast and video preview of the US PGA Championship 2020. It's just like the old days. It's August and we're talking about the PGA Championship, but not for any reasons that we would have expected. But to make some sense of it all, to make some sense of the field, to take us through what the challenges are going to be at Harding Park. Very happy to have Odds Checker's golf tipster, Niall Lyons, and the analyst from the 15th Club, Dylan Byrne, joining me today, both from over the Irish Sea, although northern and southern. How are you guys getting on? Yeah, not too bad. Looking forward to this week. It's, well, it's, been, a, it's been a year we've been mm. waiting on a major, so yeah, it should be a good few days. Yeah, we had to kind of feign, not feign excitement, but we had to kind of drum up the importance of the, uh, of the British Masters when we last spoke a couple of weeks ago. No need to do that whatsoever here with an absolutely stellar field uh, in California. And as ever, the first place we have to start uh, is the course, because, you know, always, whenever it's golf betting, whenever we're talking about, you know, who's going to win where, it's always horses for courses. And TPC Harding Park is maybe a bit more of an unknown than we're used to in this competition. Dylan, the, the work that you guys do at the 15th Club, a lot of it is is analysing courses and looking at, you know, how you can approach courses in certain ways, which players are going to suit certain courses. So what can you tell us about this uh, this test in California? Yeah, um, I guess like you say, I suppose it's a little bit a little bit of an unknown relative to kind of week to week on the VJ Tour anyway. Um, we've got a little bit of information from the match play in 2015 there and, and a very small amount from the President's Cup there as well. But um, yeah, the, the general picture that's kind of appearing is that it's going to suit long drivers, good drivers and long drivers. Um, what we've sort of found is that missing the fairway is probably not going to be all that penal. Um, it's it's one of the kind of least penal, well, historically anyway, uh, on the tour. Um, and then potting is going to be quite difficult. So it looks like it's going to be quite difficult to hit it close to the hole, um, probably because it's going to be quite a lot of longer approach shots. but. Be quite difficult to get it inside 15 feet, so I think putting uh, looks like it's going to be quite hard, but it's going to be quite important as well. So, so yeah, really the key things that, that we've picked up on will be really driving distance and sort of um, you know, the ability to hold a lot of putts, which kind of narrows the field quite a lot, I suppose. <laughs> it absolutely does. I certainly wouldn't be doing very well. Um, Niall, your research into the course probably more kind of anecdotal than, than, than the kind of statistical side that Dylan looks at. Has that echoed what you've what you've come out with as well? Yeah, a little bit different. Funnily enough, I wrote in my preview that I didn't think the short game was going to be all that important this week, nor did I think putting would be a huge issue. <laughs> uh, well, I went back, you know, as sad and pathetic as uh, you know golf analysts are, I went back and watched three or four hours of the, the match play final there a couple of days ago from 2015. And uh, yeah, as Dylan says, I think I, I think the biggest test is off the tee, funnily enough. Like, you know, Dylan says maybe you won't be punished that much for missing a fairway, but so many of the holes move right to left for a start, so it suits a, a drawer of the golf ball. There is a couple of holes that, that, that suit a fade as well, but it's mostly dog legs uh, right to left. And I was really surprised by how many, hole, how many holes requires you to uh, shape the ball off the tee. So I think, you know, McElroy, when he won, won the match play in 2015, like McElroy's one of the best shapers of the ball in the game. He can hit it both ways. 
placing his ball in the fairway, for me, made the difference that week. Give him ample opportunity to get you know closer to the flags and others. Uh, I thought the greens were quite open ended when I, when I looked at the course. You know, missing a fairway. You know, you could almost uh, run the ball in in towards the green. You could run the ball up towards the green. Uh, but primarily speaking, I thought the test was off the tee, and I think those who can't shape the ball around the corners are going to be at a distinct disadvantage this week. Certainly, with Rory winning that match play, somebody who struggles not to hit the ball right to left and has a huge drive, that uh, does play into that. And Tiger Woods, someone who, back when he was a, a bit of a different player in terms of power and length, is someone who enjoyed uh, playing at this course, whether in a, a tour event or in the President's Cup. Um, just before we go through the, the runners and riders and the place terms and things, I'm just going to um, point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app, because if you are listening to this podcast or you're watching this video, it means you're quite clearly interested in golf and quite interested in your punting. And if that's the case, you'd be mad not to have the Odds Checker app downloaded on your phone for all of the best prices across all the big bookmakers, all the best place terms, free bets, bookie offers, and of course, the best tipsters in the game. And that's where we're going to start, because normally we would start at the top of the market and run through the protagonists. It kind of feels impossible to do that in golf these days, because when you've got top-class players uh, around about the 33-1 to 1 mark, such as Tiger Woods or Patrick Cantlay at 28-1. to 1. We'd be here all day if we were going to run through all of the, the top players in the world. But I'll run through the top few in the market um, at best price on the Odds Checker app. You've got Brooks Kepka and Justin Thomas, the two that battled it out for the WGC on the weekend, both at 10-1. to 1. John Rahm, the winner the weekend before at 14-1. to 1. Roy McIlroy with course form at 14-1. to 1. Bryson DeChambeau, who Niall said a couple of weeks ago was the best in the game. Uh, he's struggled to really beef out on that form for a couple of weeks ago. No pun intended. Uh, 16 to 1. Zander Shoffley, 18 to 1. And that's where I'm going to stop because that currently has a shiny gold star next to his name, Niall. Three points each way. It's a big one. I know that you're expecting your, your second kid on, uh, on, on Sunday. And I have a feeling if this one goes in, chances are if he's a boy, it could be called Zander. <laughs> Yeah, well, he is, a, he is a boy, actually, so... Ah, we already know. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's. I think he must have every chance. You know, obviously, we backed him last week, and uh, I thought he was basically a shade unfortunate. You know, the, the eight that he had... Hit, on hit an eight, yeah. Yeah, the, the quadruple. You know, he, he obviously finished four shots off the lead in the end, and he finished... For, he finished four shots off the lead and dropped four shots in that one hole. I think there was only a couple of deviations from par all week. Uh, we know his credentials. He's obviously a, he has a great ma- uh, major record so far, and it's a, it's a short career. It's only you know, it's only three or four years old his career really, and uh, he's shown he can win the best events. He's won a WGC in China, and he's won the third championship, of course, at Eastlake. Uh, some great finishes in major championships, as, as I said. And he's just trending in that direction. And don't get me wrong, I don't think there's much value in the price. I think his price is right. But, you know, you know when we're tasked of, of coming up with bets in these golf markets, not every bet is going to be value at the end of the day. Uh, but I think Tita Green, especially, he's, he's in great shape. Uh, he hits the ball a long way, hits it right to left. I think that's going to suit Harding Park. Uh, basically, just 
you know, hoping that he that he can hold a few putts over over the weekend. His short game hasn't hasn't been in the best shape over the last couple of months, but his tee to green games in some shape now. And I think uh, among the you know the top five or six in the market, he's the one that appears most attractive. He's eighteen to one with Bet three six five William Hill, Bet Victor uh, Sporting Bet and Genting Bet. But I should say. Um, bookies really going for it with their place terms this weekend in what is such a competitive field. Skybet, 11 places uh, they are. Uh, 11. I don't think I've ever seen that before. 16 to 1 they are about Zander. And um, the best place terms you're getting, the best price there at 18 to 1 is Hills, 9 places currently. Um, but no, you're not the only tipster I've seen to, to put him up this weekend and, and the price is already starting to go. So we'll see what price he goes off. Um, we won't move on quite yet because he's a headline selection, Dylan. I'm going to get your thoughts and feel free to either agree or debunk everything Niles just said about about the uh, the man he might be calling King Zander. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to argue with any of that. I think probably the most impressive thing about him has been his, his kind of performance in contention. Uh, I was just having a look there this morning at some of the players who have been most impressive within a few shots of the lead over the past few years. And I think he's... As good as he is to start with, he's actually ninth in terms of raising his game uh, when in contention. So, yeah, very hard to argue with that. He's definitely, no question, he's got the game. He's got the, the mentality to win a major. Um, I think he's in the top 25 in driving distance worldwide as well. So, ties in with that. Um, something I think I looked at for the Masters last year was who has the ability to kind of get hot with the putter. Uh, and he was one of the top ones in that, that ranking as well. So... Yeah, hard to argue with any of that. I think, as Niall said, I don't think there's a lot of value in his price. Um, I think that, you know, the 18s there, obviously the nine places helps. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it's it's a pretty fair price. It's probably a shade of value in it. So, yeah, I mean, obviously wouldn't be at all surprised if he went down to win it. I know, Dylan, you guys have your own kind of metrics in terms of, of the strength of golfers and their form. And, and at the moment, it seems like we have a new world number one pretty much every week in the official world golf rankings with Rory being dethroned by John Rahm and now Justin Thomas going to number one um, on the weekend. And those are three of the, of the you know, the ones above shuffling the market, um, headed up by, by Kepka as well, who, of course, has been number one for a fair few months in, in his career already. Who do you, not to give away all your secrets, but who do you guys have at the moment as being the best golfer in the world? Yeah, we've got JT. I think he's about a third of a stroke ahead in first place. Um, yeah, he's he's a third of a stroke ahead of Ram in second, and then there's like a tenth of a stroke back to Rory. Um, really? It's pretty tight, yeah. But it it has, like similarly to the, the OWGR, it's jumped around a bit the last while because... During the lockdown, Rory was number one. Then Ram, I think, took it over um, relatively quickly. It was very tight for a good while. So, so yeah, that's the top three for us. Um, they're a bit like, I mean, obviously with Kepka at the top end of the market there, he's he's like, I think he's barely top 20 in our rankings because <laughs> it's done like normal week-to-week performance. Um, Based on what he's actually done on the golf course rather, in, yeah. uh, recently rather than <laughs> exactly, uh, yeah. previous exertions. We added in um, a major factor into our model just to pretty much account for him because, you know, it's just when we were running kind of simulations and major and stuff, it just didn't seem right that he would sit like 25th in the betting or whatever. So uh, we've added that in and, and he was, I mentioned the performance in contention already, but he's number one by an absolute mile in that. So um, no surprise there. But yeah, yeah, for the for the top ones, um, JT, I think, is 
he's justified at the price that he is there. Uh, he'd be he'd be a favour for me. I think realistically, Kepka I think should probably be a little bit longer. Um, I think obviously just last week a lot of that that's what the the price that he's at is based on you know his performance last week rather than than anything he's done recently. So. Um, and obviously the fact that he's won the last two of these, but uh, <laughs> you know, it's 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 still hard to it's hard to look at kind of ten to one on him given his kind of week to week performance and I think there might be value there. So um yeah, for me I think JT would be he'd actually probably be like the the standout favourite in the market. I think if, if he was tens and then Kepka was back at like fourteens or something, it might it would probably look a little bit better to me. Presumably JT must rank pretty highly in your in contention metric as well seems to come alive when he's always with a slice of luck along the way but um as we saw again on on sunday but um always seems to turn it on when he's when he's within touching distance yeah i think he's 20th i think in the, in the wide rankings yeah he picks up his game um not a huge amount but he picks up his game a little bit in uh in contention all right yeah it's actually less than i would have expected to be honest yeah, yeah. um interesting that so Niall, what what do you make with these top two because as Dylan alludes to, that 10 to 1 about Kepka seems to be based on a decent performance last weekend, of course, in a WGC where the purse is a little bit higher. Um, and again, in the last uh, the last two PJ Championships and just his general major form. But could you be backing, given that he was you know, 33 to 1 last week in a, in a much smaller field? Um, also, again, where he has course form and, and the kind of the, uh, I know the grass type as well was, was something that Kepka's excelled on in the past. What do you make of this this price now? Yeah, I think it's very short as well. I'm surprised how short he's gone. I really am. Uh, you know, before the second at the weekend, he, he went missed cut, sixty second missed cut, and then second. You know, that's not a form of that's not the form of a of a major championship favorite, is it? Uh, and his driving went missing when it when it really mattered at the weekend there as well on Sunday, hitting it into the water on the 18. Mm. When uh, Thomas was under pressure, missing the green, uh, yeah, I'm really, really surprised at how short he's gone. Uh, I don't even think I'd back him at fourteen to one, to be honest. Uh, I've sat over the last couple of days, you know, mulling over whether I should back Justin Thomas because I, I agree with Dylan. I think he's he, he's a strong favourite. Uh, just tee to green, he's been so solid lately. Um, yeah, I just. Can't, I can't see him out of the mix, mind you. Reading some quotes from him yesterday would, would worry a little bit of going in around a 10 to 1 mark that he's worried about the amount of draws needed off the tee. You know, he, he often fades the ball and he says he's got to adapt to that. So maybe that's a slight negative, but uh, just maybe the win at the weekend taking a lot out of him too. I think it was just maybe enough to put me off back in the 10 to 1, but it was a hard decision to steer clear of him, to be honest. So those are the two favourites at 10 to 1. And three players who, to my uh, non-expert eye, seem to kind of fit in with the course model that you guys have spoken about. And John Rudd, Rory McIlroy and Bryson DeChambeau. Three guys who can hit the ball a very long way. Three guys who can shape the ball the right way and who have a decent long line game. Um, let's start with with Rahm then, who, who hit world number one after his win a couple of weeks ago and then it was disappointing last weekend when he may have been carrying my money. So if I'm sounding a little bit upset, then please forgive me. Um, but at 14 to 1, it, it feels to me, and this might be a, a very muggy thing to say, but at that price, you know, you can be pretty sure that, that John Rahm's going to win one of these fairly soon. 
Um, and I don't think you're going to have to back him 14 times before you before you strike gold. Now, what do you make of his chances this weekend? The 14 to one isn't for me personally, but uh, yeah, you're totally right that you know you would expect him to win one of the next 14, and he probably won't be an awful lot shorter than that for any of them. To be fair, unless he you know does something really well, unless he wins one, I guess. Yeah, but. Uh, one of the big trends, not that I'm a, I'm a trends man, but uh, the PGA over the last number of years has been played a week after WGC. The last couple of years has obviously been in St. Jude, and before that it was Bridgestone. And you've always seen a spot of form going into it. Now, obviously, Ram won a couple of weeks ago, but his performance last week would be enough to put me off, especially at 14-1. to 1. Uh, You know, he, he he's the type of player who could, you know, at the weekend, you could just be really disappointed that you didn't get involved with him because it seems so obvious because the, the game suits perfectly, as to, you know, on paper to Harding Park. But his performance last week was enough to put me off back then. Dylan, out of those three, Rob McElroy and, and DeChambeau, I mean, McElroy seems to, his game seems to be uh, in, in pretty poor shape um, from what I can see. Who, who would you, who do you see of those three being the best value at the prices? I'd probably lean... A little bit towards McElroy. Um, to be honest, I, I might not back any of the three. Uh, I think when you look at the field, there's probably slightly better value elsewhere. Um, yeah, if I had to pick one, it'd probably be McElroy, partially because, yeah, I mean, I agree with what Niall was saying about shot shaping. Uh, I think the fairways curve a lot there, and we had a look at like the left right miss penalty, and I think. Um, yeah, I think missing left is is, is more penal, so um, you need to be able to kind of control your ball quite well. Uh, obviously, the the court, you know, small bit of course history that Matt Roy has there is is obviously a positive. Um, he hasn't done much since the restart, but you know, when Ran won two weeks ago, he hadn't done much either. So um, I, I'm not too concerned about that. He's still, you know, he's still a top three player in the world. Um, yeah, probably not going to get fourteen to one on on Rory and Majors all that often. So no. yeah, if I was going to take one of them, it'd probably be him. Deshambo. To be fair, there's a fair chance he actually won't have to shape it. He might be able to just bomb it. I don't know exactly <laughs> why the straight the, over the dog legs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that, he said that recently, didn't he? They, they yeah. said, "What are you going to do with the dog legs?" And he said, "Obliterate them." Just <laughs> <laughs> quite an interesting answer, but um, yeah, I mean, I think just. Rory would probably just shaded at those three for me. But, I mean, Niall, it's interesting that you say that it could be one with Ram where you're, you're sitting there on Sunday thinking, oh, it was too obvious. I mean, with me, it's it's Bryson. Like, I can't I can't really bring myself to back him, really. But then if he, it's the one where you look at it on, you know, Saturday evening, you wake up Sunday morning and Bryson's four clear. And you mm-hmm. said, you've said a couple of weeks ago, he's the best in the business. We know that he can drive the ball an absolute mile now. We know that actually he needs to be quite far away from the green to seemingly actually stick the ball close to the pin as well. Which seemingly will suit him here. Is this not the one where you think to yourself, like, how have I let that one go? Yeah, well, just to clarify, I said he was the best at that time. Yeah, you know, of course. A couple of weeks. Of course, yeah, yeah. I didn't mean that he was the best golfer no, you know, no. of all the bracket, but yeah. at the same time, I thought he was playing the best golf at the time. And now I don't think he's playing the best golf. I think Thomas is playing the best golf, yeah. and maybe what, maybe Ram as well, maybe ahead of him, but. Uh, of the five, of the five at the front of the market, you know, I, I, if I had to back one, it would be weighing it up between McIlroy and 
at the at the prices like just at McElroy and the Shambo, and uh, I would probably edge towards the Shambo to be honest. Uh, as you say, it's just one of those ones where you could just really kick yourself, especially with some of the stuff that I was saying about a month ago. Uh, he, I think he will probably obliterate them dog legs. Um, you know, a, a par, I don't know whether a par seventy will really suit. Uh, a couple of par, a couple more par fives might have might have suited the shambo better, but uh, nevertheless, as you say, it does look an obvious. Uh, he looks an obvious contender, and I think he probably will contend. Uh, but for me, it's one of the best uh, nine, ten, eleven place markets we've ever seen. Mm. I don't think I've ever seen uh, an amount of golfers between you know thirty three and one hundred and fifty to one that looked like obvious uh potential placers as well so i think the front end of the market just looks slightly less attractive than usual well let's quickly go through the ones the, the other ones that have stars by their name the other ones that you've you've tipped up here now we've got hideki matsuyama who's currently 40 to 1 uh, daniel berger who hit the hit the lead briefly with a very good sunday round on the weekend he's also 40 to 1 uh, we've got matt fitzpatrick currently 45 to 1 um, I would absolutely love to see Matt Fitzpatrick win a major, I must say. Shane Lowry, 70 to 1, last year's Open Championship winner. Um, Billy Horschel, 90 to 1. And Bubba Watson, wow, at 110 to 1. We've spoken about shaping the ball, I guess. So I'm sure that fits in there. Um, can you just, at, at your own pace, at your own time, um, just, just kind of fill us in briefly on, uh, on, those, uh, on that stable of golfers you've got running for you this weekend? Yeah. Uh... Matsuyama is one I'm hanging my head. I can't believe when I'm backing, to be honest. You told me a couple of months ago that I was backing <laughs> Matsuyama in a major. Uh, you know, I've continually thought he's been an overrated golfer in the market, especially in a major market, for many years now. And uh, I've never got, I don't think I've ever backed him in a major. And I don't back him that often either because I don't think his price is, is ever that, that much value. I don't think it's tremendous value this week either. Like, But... Uh, He's hitting the ball so well, to the green. I've looked at the last 24 rounds, basically. That takes in, basically, since the restart. And he ranks uh, fifth in strokes gained, to the green, and, and fourth on approach. And for me, they're the two uh, valuable stats this week. That's the that's the story of Matsuyama's game, obviously. We know that mm. he's, he's great, to the green. But the short game lets him down. I don't know. Just hoping he can hit enough greens that the short game doesn't come under pressure too often. Uh, I think Hideki Hideki Lines has a great ring to it as well. So, (laughs) but I do feel sorry for you because I've done this. I've spoken to you both about this before, and you're going to be on. I know you can actually watch it fairly live, but you're going to be on the uh, PGA Tour tracker, and you're going to see so many times Hideki Matsuyama hits it seven foot. Miss putt. Hideki Matsuyama hits it to six foot. Miss putt, and it's enough to basically make you not enjoy the uh, the the tournament at all. But this is the part when Hideki goes and wins that they're going to clip up and put back on Twitter. So I'm looking forward to that already. Yeah, there, uh, could, Dan- there could be there could be loud shouts of you know Baba Bui in a hospital on Sunday night, rigging <laughs> <laughs> around the corridors. But here he was he actually he, he led at Sawgrass the tournament that was cancelled. Obviously, he had the first round lead there. Shot 63. Obviously, that's the biggest event of the year so far. It never got played out, but the first round, I think it's worth noting that, you know, he, he blitzed the field there in round one, and that's what he's capable of, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll run through the, the rest of them just quickly, and then maybe Dylan can give some thoughts on them. Yeah. Uh, 
Daniel Berger, obviously playing unbelievable stuff this last couple of months. And he was playing good before the the, the lockdown as well. Uh, one thing I'm looking to is the US Open actually last year, Pebble Beach, I think. Uh, any any decent finish there, top 25, top 30 there, is a positive because at San Francisco, obviously the temperatures, it's going to be a lot colder than what they would normally be used to uh, on the PGA Tour, really. Uh, there's often cold mornings, mist comes in, it's difficult conditions. Uh, so Matsuyama had a 21st last year at the US Open, actually. Uh, Berger was t- was in the top five. He finished fifth at Pebble Beach this year, the Pro-Am event. Not that I'm leaning too much weight on that, but it's another positive. His results have been unbelievable since the, since the restart. One, Charles Schwab, second at St. Jude, third at the Heritage. And he just looks an obvious contender to me. I just can't see him uh, out of the mix. His game suits as well, I think. Everything's going for him. So I think, you know, I don't know where he ranks. And, and Dylan, your kind of stats over the last number of months. But I can only imagine that he's up there right with the best golfers in the world right now. Like. Uh, I'll move on. You can get your thoughts in a minute. Fitzpatrick yeah. is another obvious contender, I think, playing the third at the Memorial, I said, in the write-up a couple of weeks ago, I thought it could be a breakout uh, result. And I was actually chatting to Dylan earlier on in the year, and I was saying that I really fancied him to uh, possibly win a major this year. And now I think... Uh, this is probably his best chance, and it reflects in the betting, to be fair. Uh, sixth last week, St. Jude. He's obviously got two wins at, at Cronster's year. This is a tree-line track. Uh, you know, we know that you know he likes a more claustrophobic track. He won at Woburn as well. And he's shown that he can win a you know, top-quality field event by winning the DP uh, World Tour Championship in Dubai a couple of years ago. So everything going for Fitz, playing the golf of his career so far. So I think he's a decent, uh, decent shout this week. Shane Lowry, uh, obviously I'm back in seven this week, it's a lot, but nevertheless, I think taking the, uh, advantage of the, the places on offer is ne- necessary. Uh, Lowry was sixth in Tita Green last week. We backed him, obviously. Uh, he got a piece of the place for us at 150-1. to one. Uh, The is back on the bag after you know a fair while off. And he's another one with a good record at Wentworth. I think he's finished runner-up there and a, and a couple other, you know, one at least one of our top five and a couple of top tens. Uh, so likes likes the classic tree-lined American track. Obviously, he's one of the Bridgestone as well. Uh, so I think he goes well at decent prices. Again, as I've said, these prices from 33s to 100s, I think there's a lot of value about with, with the places. Uh, finally, finished off a couple of, of longer prices. Billy Horschel. You know, we look towards uh, trends of winning these major championships, obviously. Not winning our first time major winners is a trend now for a long time, you know. And I, I think there's a fair amount of weight in that, but maybe that extra amount of desire. And there's no doubt if you win a major, I think not, not that you wouldn't want the second one as much, but the guys who haven't won one, just there might be that just extra bit in them as they go, go down the stretch the weekend of a major. Horsell's one of them, obviously, he hasn't won a major, but he's won everything else. Mm. Uh, He's won the, the FedEx a couple of years, or 2014. He actually won back-to-back uh, playoff events that year. Playing quite well recently as well. The two weeks at Muirfield Village, he finished 7th and 13th inside the top 50 in the world, which is uh, you know a decent trend for a major championship as well. 25th last week, which is not too bad. 
Uh, I think if he's what goes on to contend, I think his game suits the Harding track too. Uh, if he goes on to contend and maybe win major championship at the weekend, he'll be one who everyone thinks, hmm, Horschel, you know, he wasn't far. He, years ago, you would have thought that he might have won a major and just maybe gone a bit quiet since. But he's playing good golf lately under the radar. And then Watson, as you say, big triple-figure price this week. Uh, 25th last week, he was all right. He ranked 15th in putting last week, which is often his downfall. You, know, you would imagine if you back Watson, you'd be tearing your hair out over the weekend on the greens. But he was 15th last week. I think the shot shape will suit him. He was quoted in 2015 when he teed up at the match play saying that the, the course suited him and the shots, shot shape suited his left or right fade off the tee. Uh, and he's he won he's won three times at Riviera, another tree lined classical track that you need to move, you need to shape the ball off the tee as well. Uh, you just hope there's uh, some improvement in his approach play, which hasn't been great the last couple of weeks. But nevertheless, I just thought it was worth taking a chance on him with triple figures with the with the places. So that's the that's all the bets on our way this week. There you have it. There you have it. Seven up for Nile. Um, and he's rattled through his reasoning behind all of them. You can find the write-up as well on the Odds Checker app. Now, Dylan, I'm not going to ask you to pick them all apart, but um, but interested in your thoughts on on any of those. Yeah, I think um, there's a few of them definitely would have overlapped with what I kind of saw as value. So Matsuyama um, was one of the kind of the top value picks for me. But <laughs> I I backed him a lot this like over the past probably 12 months. Uh, I, don't, I don't have the scars. I've yeah. backed it. I've backed him a lot over the last twelve years. I mean, it's just <laughs> he. Well, I, I actually um, at the President's Cup in December, he was he was hitting on the range. I think it was on the Sunday, and I stood behind him. And like as a ball striker, he's he's definitely in the top two or three most impressive that I've ever seen. Um, I mean, but watching him on the range is the place to to watch him. Maybe not so much in the course, but um, yeah. I mean, if you're ever at an event and he's there, definitely spend a couple of minutes behind him because just actually listening to him hitting drivers is phenomenal. But um, yeah, I mean, he yeah he would have been at forties there. He'd be value for me. I think yeah, you touched on Berger. He's actually sixth in our rankings at the minute. Um, you know, he he was in phenomenal form pre-break and and obviously picked it up again after the break. So. Uh, and got the win too so yeah he'd be one for me he's not the longest um he's probably going to be giving up kind of 15 yards on average i think over overall his drives to the likes of rory and and probably a bit more to dechambo so um that's not ideal around here but i think yeah just the quality of his overall game would make him a good price um is that an issue with 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 matt fitzpatrick as well in terms of distance off the tee He's actually, uh, I know he's done a good bit of work over the last 18 months or so, you know, trying to add distance and he added, uh, he added an inch to his driver to try and squeeze out a bit more. Um, so he's picked up a bit. He's actually kind of similar length to Berger now and he's up, if you look at all his drives, so not just the measured ones, but all the drives, he's actually up at kind of similar length to Tiger and Morikawa and really? those guys. Yeah, he's not, he's not far short. No, he is, he's given up a bit of distance, but... He's picked it up a bit, and, and because he's so accurate, he can use the driver quite a lot. Um, it's probably a, a somewhat overlooked element of, you know, the shorter hitters game sometimes is that, you know, if they are accurate enough and they can use driver, you know, once or twice per round more than the, the kind of opponents, then it, it boosts their overall driving distance and it helps the game. So 
he falls into that category. He's um, he's one of only four players in the world that's ranked top fifty in driving and putting. Um, so yeah, I mean, he'd be one for me. I think I'm not probably going to back too many of the shorter hitters, but he'd probably be one of them. I think yeah. So yeah, I like him. Um, Horschel was another one. I think I made Horschel like sixty sixes. So. He was 120s, 125s yesterday, I think. Um, yeah, on Betfair, 90-20 if you want to back him each way, about 125 on, on Betfair Exchange. Yeah, so, yeah, I mean, no-brainer there for me. Again, he's actually, I actually thought he was a little bit longer. He's probably, he's only a shade longer than Fitz um, in terms of his driving as well. But, yeah, I mean, he's one where when he's at his best, he's he's probably a top 10 player in the world. Um, and he's kind of rounded into a bit of form again. His major, I look at his major record, it's actually not the best. Um, I think he only has like one top 10 in a major and something like 25 starts. So, so not great there, but yeah, I think just in terms of his, his absolute quality, um, yeah, he'd be, he'd be good enough for me. I think the rest of them hadn't really popped up for me, but um, yeah, fair bit of overlap there. So who, who has popped up for you? Um, there was an interesting one I, I just came across this morning, so... In the course, the biggest impact range in terms of pro shots that we've picked out is 175 to 200. Um, it's way, like, way more important than any other range, and it's it's unusually high for any course, really. So it looks like they're going to have, um, you know, a lot of very important shots from that range. Uh, and then I had a look at the rankings on the PGA Tour of who's leading the proximity in that range. It's actually John Senden who I believe was, um, I think he got to the quarters in the match play. So it's just an interesting one. But second in that is is currently Tyrrell Hatton. Um, is he in the field sounding, is he? Uh, I don't know. I don't think so. Don't uh, think so, no, sadly. No, it was just an interesting... Return uh, to sending. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but no, I thought, I thought we were on the top Aussie bet there. And... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, it was just an overlap, an interesting one that popped up. But yeah, so second in that is, is Tyrrell Hatton. Um, there's actually three of them in the 50s there that I quite like, but, but Hatton is one of them. Um, he'd be, I mean, you know, looking at his form over the past, I think it probably goes back to the end of last year. Um, you know, he's he's flown up our rankings. We've got him at 14th at the minute, so he's just ahead of, you know, the likes of Woodland, Tiger, Fleetwood. Um, so he's in that kind of company. Um, I just think he should probably be a little bit shorter. I think he should be down in that range of sort of probably low 40s. Um, so I think getting the 50s on him with all the places and then that extra little bonus of being really good from that 175 to 200 is a, is a big plus for me. Um, the other two at 50s, actually Hovland has gone out a little bit. So Hovland, um, he's probably a little bit, you know, he's definitely a little bit unproven as of yet. Um, but I think the... The ability is there. The driving distance is there. Um, the big question mark over his game generally is his short game. Uh, he's, I know he's doing a lot of work on it, but yeah, Chippen's been poor. Um, something that for on the course that we've picked up on again is that he's sorry. The when you miss the green, it's not that painful really. Um, historically, by the looks of it, so I'm not really too concerned about players that are not great around the greens. So he'd be. He definitely fall into that category. So yeah, for, for those reasons, I think he's he's worth a go. Um, and then the other one's Woodland. So he's a player who's kind of he's actually I mentioned Matsuyama being one of the most impressive ball strikers I've seen, and, and Woodland is probably in that top three as well. Uh, I actually watched him at 
I was at the PGA last year and watched him on the range for quite a while and he was aiming at this flag at the end of the range and he was just hitting these hidden high hooks to it, you know, fades. He's he's definitely got the shape. Um so that should suit him and obviously he's got the course history as well. So um, you know, he's got the ability to win a major. I think that chip on, on seventeen last year was was probably one of the shots of the year for me, really, the to pull that off. So to do that in that situation, I think any question marks over his ability to get it done or gone. Um, so yeah, he'd be he'd be one for me at that price. Um, moving up to a couple of the bigger prices, I think another interesting one who would sort of fall into the category of not being a great short game player but having a good rest of his game is Eric Van Royen. Um, he's kind of settled into to playing the PGA Tour a bit more the last last few weeks um i think he's locked up his card for the bga tour next year as well so the pressure's off him a little bit you know if that was sort of hanging over his head this week then you might be looking at him trying to hang on to like a 20th place rather than kind of pushing on to try and get a you know really high finish um i watched him a bit at bet page last year uh he was very impressive um you know he's another big hitter and he's another one who ranks i think he's He's top 100 in driving and putting, um, so he's in that kind of, you know, the rather unusual range of being a, a good long driver and and a really good putter. So yeah, um, I quite like him. I think his he was 160s or something as well. Yeah, 160 with bet 365, 150 with Skybet with up with 11 places as well. Yeah, yeah. So um, yeah, I've listed quite a few there, but yeah, they'd be the the ones I like. I think. Well, yeah, there's, there's a few there that I found difficult to leave off the list there as well that you've mentioned you know Hatton is one who's been playing unbelievable golf lately and you would think is a, is a perfect uh, course fit for Harding Park as well last week was probably just enough to put me off uh, it was a bad performance but nevertheless Hatton can be one of those ones you could just down tools you know when it's not going as well not going his way so I don't know how much weight you could put, be put on that result last week but uh, Hovland was another one out last week. I was telling everybody that you know Hovland is a must bet this week. Uh, but again, last week just slightly put me off. I, you know, it was one of the things that was almost a must for me. It was a good performance in the WGC last week. Uh, but Hovland, as you say, I think I've been as impressed by Hovland as I as I have been with Morikawa. Uh, you know, and there's, you know, Morikawa is basically half the price of Hovland week to week. Uh, Hovland's long game is, looks absolutely phenomenal to me. I know it's, it's short, he's got short game problems, but the long game looks as good as I've seen in anyone in the last five or ten years. I'm so impressed by it. So I know you have to take a leap of faith that, you know, that he hasn't really played an awful lot of major championships and he could get the job done. But, you know, he's probably one extra bet that, I, you know, I'd go and place... You know, around the ten place mark, just just in case he goes and wins. And as you say, Woodland as well was another one I found hard to leave off the list. Every shape, shot shape in the game to to make it work at Harding Park, and obviously he was a beaten finalist in two thousand and fifteen. So, yes, you know, a lot of positives and a lot of. I think that as just as I said there earlier on, you've named all the golfers that I didn't I <laughs> had to leave off the list as well. I just don't think I've seen a tournament like it where there's about ten or twelve obvious play obvious potential places you know but you could, if you back all of them you, you would probably make money at the places you know 
bad news, guys. I'm afraid the only golfer I've already backed is Victor Hovland. So you can throw those slips in the bin. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you mentioned now that he he hasn't got much major form. Um, he's played in two ma- he's played in two majors. Uh, he was tied 32nd in the Masters. And I think anybody making the cut on not only Masters debut but major debut uh, is pretty impressive there. And then was tied 12th in the U.S. Open as well. So two majors, and he's finished. Um, he's got one top 20. And once just outside the top 30 as well, which, which suggests that he is up to the kind of mental task, I guess, um, that, it's, that you're faced with when coming into these stellar fields um, with, with huge rewards, uh, if you can get your way to the top of the market as well. So he's 55 to 1, but good to see you guys agreeing on most. I think anybody watching or listening will have a pretty long shortlist now um, from Niall and from Dylan. So thank you both very, very much for sharing your wisdom with us uh, i recommend that you follow both of the guys on twitter um for you know some interesting i get i reckon not dylan's will be more kind of analytical coverage niles will be bemoaning why one of his picks has managed to make, make a treble on a par four somewhere down the line but hopefully you know we'll be cheering up cheering home a couple of runners on uh, on sunday uh, make sure you download the odds checker app uh, immediately um, to get all the best prices, all the best bookie offers, all the best tipsters, um, as well across loads of different sports. Uh, make sure you enjoy the golf. Thanks very much to both Dylan and Niall again. Niall, best of luck for Sunday. And this time I am talking about the birth of your of your son, not about the golf. Um, but yeah, thanks both for, for joining. And uh, please remember, uh, please gamble responsibly. Mm-hmm.